Of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rood. And Jacob, I feel good because the team in Los Angeles that I root for and that I cover for a living uh, was not on the losing end of a blowout win. Um, it, for those that didn't get the news, uh, and I honestly don't think the Clippers got the news either. I'm I'm not <laughs> sure they knew they played a ba- uh, basketball game today because it looked like they were sleepwalking. But um, the Mavericks beat the Clippers 124 to 73 on Sunday, uh, which for those that are not good at math like I am, I have my calculator next to me. Uh, that is 51 points. That's a lot of points. <laughs> Just before we went on, I said, can we please laugh at the Clippers? And you looked it up and just said 51, and just that alone made me start laughing. I had to mute myself at the beginning of this podcast. Um, I actually I, I took a nap this afternoon, and I woke up and pulled up Twitter on my phone, was just lying there, and I saw like a score flat, like somebody tweet a score, and it was – uh, well, the halftime was what seventy-seven twenty-seven, and I was like, "Oh well, surely somebody screwed that up. Like that can't be a real score." And then, like, multiple people tweeted it, and I was like, "Hold on, what on earth is happening?" Um, kudos to the Clippers. Uh, shout out to Paul George who immediately started making excuses about having to play on the road for Christmas, Christmas or something. Yeah. Um, didn't really understand that excuse, but as is the case with most of his excuses. Uh, tremendous work. The uh, It's hilarious. I have the box score pulled up. Biggest lead for Dallas, 57. Biggest lead for the Clippers, two. <laughs> um, just what a great day. I was really, really hoping the Lakers won by 50 points, as I'm sure basically every, every Laker fan watching tonight was, um, because the – the symmetry of that would have just been absolutely perfect. Unfortunately, uh, they only won by 36. Yeah, 36, and, and their biggest lead was 42 points. So they can't – they don't even got that over the Mavericks, but they got the win uh, on Christmas over the Mavericks, which going by Paul George's logic uh, naturally meant they were going to win by a lot today because they did play at home mm-hmm. uh, on Christmas Day. So, I mean, it's holding up so far. Uh, I would have to check around the league to see who else. I mean, played Dallas at home. played on the on the road from Christmas <laughs> and then just blasted them. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, before we get into anything Lakers related, which there is a lot to talk about or a little, depending on your level of interest in the game, it could go <laughs> either way, really. Um, I watched a lot of basketball on Sunday night because. Uh, one of the other teams I cover is the Sacramento Kings, so I watched them play the Suns. Uh, that was a pretty enjoyable game up until, like, the third quarter. Uh, the Celtics-Pacers game was interesting up until, the like, literally the last second. Uh, the game ended 108-107. And then 
I was watching Warriors and Bulls because I don't know why. I do know why. I love Steph Curry. Steph Curry is probably my favorite player in the league. I'll say it. I know I'm going to get crap from Lakers fans for that, but I love him. I think he's so much fun. Um, I want the Warriors to be enjoyable because I think the league is better when the Warriors are good. Maybe not like Kevin Durant joins the 73-9 and team good, although I did enjoy that for a little bit. Uh, mostly because the Lakers weren't anywhere near that. I mean, they might as well have been nine and seventy-three at that time. Um, but so I was watching the Warriors Bulls game, and it was the worst game I've watched in a very long time. The game ended one twenty-nine to one twenty-eight, uh, which means nobody played defense. Like <laughs> it, it came down to who had the last basket because they were trading baskets literally all game. Uh, but the disappointing thing was my mom had made dinner and my mom no joke she is like um you know a typical latina mom once food is ready hot on the table you need to be there that instant or it's basically my head anyway (laughs) uh so i left i dropped everything i was doing to go eat come to find out with a few seconds left on the game in the game Zach Levine hits a jumper five seconds left on the shot clock. Uh, I checked the score and I'm like, okay, well, this one's over. A few seconds later, Damian Lee comes in, scores a buzzer beater for the Warriors. That game ends 129-128. I'm mad I sat through all of that to <laughs> just not see the most exciting part of it. Uh, but I was rewarded, Jacob, by seeing a pretty fun game uh, that the Lakers played in. Uh, and I want to start with Marc Gasol, because Good choice. Kyle Kuzma obviously had a great game. We'll talk a little bit about him. LeBron James doing what he did in the amount of time he played uh, is just insane. He turns 36 in a few days, by the way, just in case nobody knew. Uh, but Marc Gasol finally, at long last, breaking out and having a like Marc Gasol game, if you will. Um, not super high scoring numbers, uh, but efficient from the field and, and, and doing it everywhere else. Um, what, what did you think of, of the way Marcus Gasol played today and how much do you think it had to do with AD just not being in the lineup or, or do you just think it was, you know, him getting his legs back under him? Um, <clears throat> I guess a little bit of everything. I would say tonight was the, First time I thought they were really kind of running the offense through him at the top of the key. Um, That was something I believe we talked about after the first game. Um, Or I talked about it somewhere after the first game that uh, it was odd how they used him against the Clippers. Um, They didn't really need to use him any particular way on Christmas. Like they dominated that game however they wanted. Um, but tonight felt like the first time they went back or they got back to kind of how it was in the preseason where he was at the top of the key. They give him the ball and just everybody's moving and cutting and um, whether he was finding guys, whether he was getting some open threes, whether there was the one give and go he had with KCP. Um, the offense just kind of flowed through him, which um, even with LeBron and AD on the floor, like, I still think that's one of the best ways the Lakers can go about creating offense. Right. 
um, just because he's so skilled at it. Um, guys have to come out, or defenders have to come out on him, which just opens up the paint to be able to cut, get layups. Um, he's just such a he's such a fun player. Like that's what I tweeted. I want it was probably during the second quarter. It may have even been after that KCP and one he got off the give and go. Um, I just tweeted Marcus all so damn fun. Like, and you can tell that the the guys enjoy playing with him because they want to cut, they want to move, they want to get open because they know he'll find them if they are. So um, I just thought the biggest thing tonight was just putting him at the top of the key and um, having him make plays. As you said, it might have been a bit easier because AD wasn't out there. Might have been a bit easier because Towns didn't play tonight, which I hope he gets better because he's a ton, he's a ton of fun and has been a lot of fun this season. Um, so maybe maybe some of that played into it, but um, it was nice to see him finally kind of get acclimated a bit, and it shows just another way this Lakers team can win. Like you have. LeBron and AD, which they just won a damn title <laughs> playing through those guys. You have Trez and Schroeder, who they p- more or less played through on Christmas um, to blow out the Mavericks. And now you have a guy like Gasol, who was a big piece of winning tonight. Um, I believe it was a very Elias Sports Bureau stat that they tweeted, but... Um, (laughs) Gasol became the first player in NBA history to finish with 12 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, and four blocks in 21 minutes or less since blocks became an official stat. Um, More than anything, I think that shows just kind of how the impact he had on the floor in the short amount of time he was out there. Yeah, I so – all of the, knowing all of the things that Marcus all can do as like a playmaker and, you know, and not just a playmaker in that half court, somebody that can make plays in the full court, as we've seen um, with the outlet passes he made in the preseason and just the nutty outlet pass he made today. Um, that was part of the reason I just kind of assumed that the Lakers were going to go with a backcourt that didn't include Dennis Schroeder, um, because I think when it comes to playmaking, I think you have more than enough with LeBron James and Marcus All, plus whatever secondary playmaking you get out of KCP or Wesley Matthews. Um, that being said, obviously Dennis Schroeder played a huge part in the Lakers win on Christmas Day. He looked awesome. Uh, tonight it was, or, or Sunday night it was Marcus All's night. I am interested to see going forward what that balance will look like when. You know, somebody who obviously gets a lot of touches and AD is back. Uh, how the offense is going to be ran through Marcus Hall in, in those instances. Because I think you and I have talked. There is a very easy uh, path to Anthony Davis and Marcus Hall just being absolute dynamite next to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that I want to see that I haven't seen so far is... Um, Anthony Davis being more of the type of player we saw last season. I think it's awesome that he is hitting jump shots at the rate he is. His his shooting stroke has never looked smoother than it has right now. Uh, but I think AD playing outside in as opposed to inside out, like 
you know, he seems to be trending towards this season kind of, you know, goes against what we thought Marcus all would bring to this team. Uh, you have, you know, a paint enforcer with Anthony Davis who can space the floor uh, and somebody like Marcus all who, you know, most people assumed would just stand behind the three point line, be a pick and pop threat, uh, whether it's that's from mid range or behind the arc. Um, I think seeing Anthony Davis play more outside has kind of limited the type of looks we expected Marcus all to see uh, to get and like the type of plays he was going to make uh, from the high post. Um, so again, I have nothing against Anthony Davis going absolute bananas from, from the three point line and, and being, you know, an even more versatile scorer than, than he's been in recent years. But I think if you're going to maximize what Marcus all can bring to this team, I think, you know, whether it's Vogel or AD, uh, them two together, the, the, the AD Marcus all front court, there has to be some compromises made on that end. Uh, that may not ultimately matter when the postseason rolls around because um, I think I've talked to you about this. Ultimately, as much as I think Marcus All helps, the closing lineup in the postseason is going to look, and, and really just the rotations in the postseason, I think are going to look a lot more similar to the way they did in the postseason with, um, you know, AD. Montrezl Harrell may end up playing uh, some five next to AD. Uh, or at at the four next to AD with AD playing the center. Uh, but I ultimately think it's going to be one of Kyle Kuzma or Markeith Morris uh, at the four next to Kyle, uh, next to Anthony Davis at the center when the postseason rolls around uh, because they, they had a lot of success with that last postseason, obviously won a championship. So um, a lot of puzzle pieces that still need to be put together. But I, I think I speak for everyone when I say it was nice to have Marcus all have a good game because with how he performed in the regular season so far, it became like a, a mental thing or, or, or a question among Lakers fans is whether or not he was even capable of having those good games. Yeah, and talking about Gasol and AD, there are some issues there, I think, with fit. Uh, maybe not issues, questions. Yeah. Um, they've only played 32 minutes together. Um and I don't even know, I can't, they don't have lineup data for the preseason, but uh, I don't think they played hardly at all together in the preseason. So that's still some of the ironing out they have to do. Um, and ultimately, I mean, I don't really know how the Lakers will play in the postseason, but I think more than anything, like I said, a bit ago, like we've kind of referenced, this just gives them a different way to attack, takes a lot of the burden off LeBron and AD. Um, it gives the Lakers more, I don't know, margin for error, but they needed LeBron and AD to be great, which generally they are. They needed them to be great during the postseason to win games, and AD was – like words can hardly describe how good he was in the postseason. Yeah. So when you add guys like Gasol that we saw tonight, Schroeder and Harrell that we saw on Christmas, you don't need LeBron and AD to be as great to win a title. Ultimately, it'll still come down to those two. Your best players are generally going to be going to determine if you win a title or not. But 
it eases some of the burden. I mean, still, even last season or last postseason, I think LeBron was only at like 30 minutes per game. Um, it was the, the fewest minutes he had played per game. Uh, or excuse me, I meant 35. He, AD was at 36.6. LeBron was at 36.3. Um, they were sub 40. So just adding more weapons. This team is like... We talked about it a bunch in the the preseason, the limited offseason we had. We talked about it. This team is so damn deep. Like, it's – I know everybody is saying it, but the more they play, the more it's like, good Lord, they have so many people they can throw at you. Like, Kuzma tonight, um, it's almost – I don't want to say disservice. He was incredible tonight. Like, especially that first quarter, he could not miss. Um, I saw somebody, it may have been Harrison, just joke and say, just put his name on the starting lineup, sub him out right away. It doesn't matter. But apparently Kuzma just needs to see his name on like the starting lineup sheet to get his, like get to his final form. Cause he could not miss tonight. 20 points, eight of 12 shooting four, six from three. He's been good even through the preseason um, to have a guy come in a guy like that, that that can come in when AD is hurt um, or out is huge. I w- I have a hot take. I don't know if it's a hot take or not. I think this Kuzma extension is going to be terrific value for the Lakers. Oh, yeah. And I hold that thought because I want to talk mostly about Kuzma when we get back from our break. So wait on the Kuz. Uh, we'll be back. <laughs> so as as you alluded to, uh, Jacob, Kyle Kuzma might end up being a steal somewhere down the line. And he showed why uh, on Sunday night. In 29 minutes and 9 seconds of play, uh, Kyle Kuzma scored 20 points on 8 of 12 shooting from the field, uh, including 4 of 6 shooting from behind the arc. Ended a ga- the game uh, a plus 38 in the box score. I've talked about this before. Um, I've been a long believer in Kuzma. Um, have I suggested the Lakers trade him in the past? Yes, yes. but as we all know, <laughs> I have an addiction. Uh, I am working through it slowly. Uh, but in all seriousness, this is part of the reason why I was not against, as a fan of Kuzma, I wasn't against the Lakers getting something for him because I think it would be a mutual, a mutually beneficial thing because as we saw on Sunday and as we saw last season when Anthony Davis was out, Kyle Kuzma is a starting caliber player. All he needs, and I think <laughs> I think actually uh, Kari Kuzma, his mom, uh, during the game, put it best in a uh, reply to Halsey, of all people, from her basketball account. Um, Let's see if I can find the tweet. If not, I'm just going to. Uh, uh, Which, uh, shout out again, Halsey. I kind of had forgotten during the offseason she had a basketball <laughs> account, and I forgot how much I loved it again. Okay, so here here it is. Uh, from at Halsey and one, she said, who freaky Friday'd into Kuzma's body right now? Because Kuzma did start the game three of three from three. Um and it, it was right away. Like, it was instant. He caught fire from the very beginning. Uh, and Kuzma's mom, 
clapped back at her, if you will, as the <laughs> children say. Uh, she says, nah, girl, at Halsey and one, or nah, girl, at Halsey and one, sorry, have to work on my reading tweet ability. Um, this is starter coups from day one. He just needs the start and touches and he's golden. Keyword touches. Don't know if that was shade at Frank Vogel. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like shade at Frank Vogel. <laughs> but, I mean, she's not wrong. I, yeah. all, if you give Kyle Kuzma the touches, uh, if somebody that's a rhythm player like him, I think if you give him the touches he got his rookie year and his sophomore year, he's going to give you close to 20 points per game every night. Uh, and that's evidenced by you know his starters numbers from last year. He averaged over 20 points per game on 50% shooting from the field last season. And I think he was a plus 7.8 in the box score uh, while doing that. So Kyle Kuzma is a starter. The question is whether or not he can maintain that level of production when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are back and he's not starting. I'll get to your point in a second, but I, I'm looking at the Lakers roster. They have like at least eight guys that are like starter quality, starter caliber players. Yeah. Like they're starting five plus Wes, Trez, Kuzma typically. Um, and then Caruso on some teams definitely would start. Um, so you're looking at eight or nine starter starting caliber players. Doesn't really seem like any of them mind coming off the bench, at least right now. We're three yeah. games in, and we're also winning. Winning solves everything. But for right now, it doesn't seem like any of them really mind coming off the bench. Um, but, yeah, Kuz, this has always been a thing with Kuzma. Like, um, whenever he gets the touches, like, he can put up points. It was always just kind of adjusting to being the third option or low, even lower at times last year, it's a struggle. Um, I certainly can't blame him for struggling with it because they added in a span of two seasons, he went from the number one option to way down the totem pole between LeBron and AD getting everything that they do. Um, so, I mean, this isn't new. I think the biggest thing for Kuz has been the production he's had when even when LeBron and AD were healthy this preseason and regular season, seems like things are really starting to click. I almost wonder, I don't know about this theory because he was still playing well in the preseason, but I wouldn't be surprised if the fact that he signed an extension kind of takes the pressure off. Yeah. Like he's not playing for his next contract anymore. Um, a lot of guys flourish in a contract year and but I mean, there is some security in knowing that you're going to be taken care of. If you look at the Pelicans with Brandon Ingram right now, like he is playing, he it looks like he's taking another step up. And a, he was a guy that went through a contract year and then got a max contract. There's some security in that. There's some confidence in knowing that you're worth X amount of dollars and the team wants to keep you around like that boosts your confidence, gives you some comfort. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is, I don't, I mean, obviously we're not going to get the level of Kuzma that we got on Sunday where he's shooting 75% from the field, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a big year for him because for the first time 
in a while, he doesn't really have to prove himself anymore. He doesn't have to prove that uh, he can be a third option. He doesn't have to prove that he's worth any contract or anything. He is on a team where he's excelled. He's on a he's in a situation he's comfortable in, and he has long term security. So I mean, um, all those things I think matter, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is a big season for Kuz, and I hope so because when he gets hot and gets going like he did in that first quarter against the Timberwolves, he's a ton of fun to watch. Like he was just catching and firing on those yeah. last couple of shots. I think it's a a few things. It's having a year playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis and being coached under Frank Vogel. It's getting an idea of what, you know, Frank wants out of him as a player and, um, you know, what his role will be. Cause I think that was a big question mark last season. I feel like the Lakers and Frank Vogel went into the season with the expectation that, you know, Kyle Kuzma would be a spark plug of sorts off of the bench uh, and a catch-and-shoot guy alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That did not happen. And I think expectations shifted very quickly. If it weren't for that hiatus the NBA went on, I don't know that Kyle Kuzma would have figured it out last season. Uh, but that break that they went on, and, and I think just Kuzma getting healthy and having – uh, being realistic about what his role with the team was going to be. I think when they got back from the break, we saw uh, call it an, an inspired Kyle Kuzma, somebody that had a better understanding of what he needed to do to help the team win. Come in, be a guy that plays with high energy. Uh, if you're not going to be great on defense, at least be active on the defensive end and, you know, if your jump shot isn't falling, you can at least cut. You can play off of the ball. Uh, all of those things worked out for him. Uh, and even before that, even during the season, I think he just built winning habits playing alongside LeBron and AD. It's one thing to play alongside LeBron James. It's one thing to, you know, take a backseat to somebody like Anthony Davis and, you know, understand that when you're not averaging 20 points per game and you're not, your main focus isn't just scoring anymore. You have to find other ways to impact the game. I think that was huge for his growth. Now, I think you're seeing all of those lessons he learned last season, a better understanding of his role, and a little bit of what he showed in his first two seasons to become uh, maybe not the Kyle Kuzma that we thought he would be in his freshman and sophomore season, but the most complete version of Kyle Kuzma that we're probably going to get. Now, whether that's in a few years, that leads to him being an absolute stud on another team, you know, that remains to be seen. While he's in Los Angeles, with what he learned and, and you know, how much work he put into the season to become more of a scoring threat, I think you're absolutely right. I think in the two or three years he's in L.A., uh, he's going to, you know, look like an absolute bargain, uh, especially compared to some of the other contracts that were handed out, you know, yeah. before the rookie extension deadline. Uh, Luke Kennard signed a four-year, $64 million contract. Do you want to guess what his stat line was in his first start for the Clippers on Sunday? <laughs> uh, considering they scored, what, 27 points in the first quarter, I will say he finished with, 
five points on the day. Oh, not off, not too far off. Uh, he scored seven points on three of eleven shooting from the field, and it was a negative twenty nine uh, in the box score. So, like I said, Shout out to the Clippers for just throwing obscene amounts of money <laughs> at Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard. Uh, sixty four million to Marcus Morris, and uh, was it sixty four million as well to? Um, Luke Kennard, 120 million, yeah, 128 million to those two. I don't know who they were bidding against, but uh, it was particular. I the Luke Kennard one just stunned me because like, um, Detroit spent multiple years <laughs> trying to trade that guy, which maybe we shouldn't use Detroit as some type of barometer, but still. Detroit spent a ton of time trying to trade that guy, and he did. I don't did he hadn't even played a regular season game when they, yeah, no, they he hadn't even played a regular season game when they gave him that extension. So there were some wild extensions. I thought Orlando gave out two of them that I thought were wild yeah. as well. <laughs> so if you compare all those to what Kuzma got, then yeah, that alone makes his extension a steal. I think. I am excited for his development. Um, I think he has a good chance to make a bigger impact than anybody thought this season. Um, My expectations had certainly never been lower for him going into the season. And maybe that plays a part into, you know, how Kyle Kuzma has been perceived so far this season. Uh, Just a lack of expectations. The, the thought of him being the third star on the team, that ship has kind of sailed. Uh, and I think that's fine. I think mm-hmm. there are plenty of teams, uh, and, and especially role players in Lakers history, that were beloved uh, without being, you know, the surefire third best player on the team or somebody that averages 20 points per game off the bench. They don't need him to do that. They have Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder to uh, carry some of that offensive load that, you know, the Lakers were hoping he carried last season. Uh, Kyle Kuzma can just be the best version of whatever the Lakers need him to be and not worry about anything else. And he can do it, you know, as you and, and even Anthony Davis has alluded to uh, without that stress of, you know, where's my next contract coming from? Um, you know, what's my value going to be on the open market? So uh, thank you in, in case you were me, wondering, yes, I did just compare you to set. Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, hopefully not the last time that ever happens, but thank you for putting me in the same sentence as him. We have very similar skill sets. <laughs> when fun, Funny story. Um, when my unibrow grows out, my girlfriend won't tell me. Uh, she'll just tell me, oh, so you're really, you're really into Anthony Davis. And I go, all right. <laughs> to calm down. <laughs> you need to buy, uh, does he have any like unibrow t-shirts or anything? Like, uh, really lean into the brand that he's created and whatnot. Yeah. I think, uh, God, I was at a ruffles event with, uh, that he was at, I think last year and they had, uh, they opened the floor for questions about like his branding deal. And some guy came up to him and I, I don't know if this was the first time he'd ever thought about Anthony Davis. I don't know if basketball was his thing, but he goes up to him and he goes, so Anthony, why the unibrow? Why, <laughs> like, have you ever thought of shaving it? And Anthony's like, he was, he was really nice about it. He's like, uh, yeah, I, like, I shaved it once when I was in high school, but I decided, like, 
it was too much maintenance. I just didn't want to do it anymore. So it's like he, he worked some, whatever slogan ruffles gave him to work in. And it was a, you know, it was a very branded answer, but uh, I hope people ask me why the unibrow. The the answer is usually I'm too lazy. Too much maintenance. <laughs> I will be happy to compare you with Anthony Davis. As long as you know that I am, also, Anthony Davis, and none of us are LeBron James. <laughs> exactly. I I could not drink nearly as much wine as LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James drinks. Uh, well, Jacob, unless you have any final thoughts, that is going to be our show for the day. Um, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, I'm, you know, I didn't think I'd be happy that Lakers basketball is back, but it does feel nice to have games to talk about again. It certainly uh, feels good to talk about games that the Lakers are winning and. Hopefully that is a good problem we continue to have. Uh, Until then, we are signing off. We hope you all have a very happy new year because God knows this year has sucked. (laughs)